Episode 322, Vic Tipness. What has and hasn't worked as an entrepreneur? The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of Awaken Your Alpha, the number one men's development podcast for inspirational stories and strategies to thrive as a man. As a coach, keynote speaker, and best-selling author, it has been my mission going on four years on the podcast to bring you the best, the very best, the struggles, the action, and to share the real journey with you. Please subscribe to support the show through ayalpha.com and join the conversation in the Facebook group, Awaken Your Alpha with ALW. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. Assistagram for all your personal Instagram growth, branding, and management needs. So jump over to assistagram.us. Now let's get into the show. Right, we have a brilliant one for you today. We have what I would call a classic entrepreneur, and we're really going to dig into you know what has worked and what hasn't worked. We have Vic Titners on the line, and he's originally from England, Leicester, and he's based over in America now. He's involved in many companies at the moment, built him up to multi-million dollar companies. Really, to sum him up, entrepreneur really kind of covers a lot of bases here. But firstly, Vic, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? <laughs> totally, man. Totally. Awesome. So as I say, that was quite a, a sweeping introduction. Is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? What are you all about at the moment? Um, I think what I'm all about is um, trying to pro- provide value to my audience. Um, I think that right now in the social media um, uh, ocean of influencers, I think what I'm trying to convey a message is, is, is to the audience out there, they really need to do their homework and make sure that the people that they're following and getting advice from as it relates to entrepreneurship actually have started a business, you know? And I think that's really an important message that I have is you got to really vet your mentors, you know, have they started a company? Um, do they have more than 10 employees? Do they do more than a million dollars in revenue? Have they had to raise capital? So how much? These are the types of questions that I think the audience has to ask their mentors and vet to make sure because there's a lot of people online right now that are selling advice and all this stuff and they don't have, they have no employees. They've never raised money. They don't do a million dollars in revenue and they're just portraying themselves as one and they're genuinely giving bad advice. Mm. And so I think that you have a fiduciary responsibility as a client to make sure that if you're seeking advice, that you vet the people you're getting advice from. You know, Warren Buffett got a great quote. He said, never get financial advice from somebody that makes less money than you. Spot on. Completely, completely agree with that. I love that one. I think it's important. And that's why I like entrepreneurs or anyone who's out there who's very authentic and transparent because, you know, like you say, if, it, if you're looking to get advice or to get where someone is, you really need to be clear on, you know, what they have achieved and where they are as opposed to, you know, say someone who started a podcast or done something you know, completely different. So I think it's being clear as well in what you want and be careful, like you say, as of who you follow and why you are following them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to just touch on your origins. I, again, I swept over it that you're originally from uh, my neck of the woods. Well, a little bit north of me, Leicester, um, and you moved across yeah. here. So tell us a little bit about what you wanted to be great or like how you got from A to B, basically. You know, how did you end up and where you are now and being so successful. I was about eight, nine years old when I moved to the, uh, moved to the States here in Florida. Okay. And, uh, you know, my dad was, my dad was an entrepreneur. Um, and, you know, we, he was in the motel business and he bought a 25 unit motel in Tallahassee, Florida of all places. So we left from Leicester yeah. to Tallahassee. 
Wow. So, talk about culture shock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a skinny little Indian kid that had a British accent in Tallahassee, Florida. So, you know, it's a little bit of a, of a country town, but, you know, I, I loved growing up there, actually. It was a beautiful place to live, and uh, it was wonderful. And, um, you know, I, from a very early age, my, my dad being an entrepreneur, and most of the people in my family were entrepreneurs, so it was just what I grew up around, and, and I was able to really learn and look and see what they were doing and how they were handling things and doing things. And, you know, the interesting thing was, um, you know, particularly in the Indian culture, because my, my, natu- uh, my nationality is Indian, mm-hmm. there's this huge push to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. You know, I mean, yeah. 25% of the doctors in the U.S. are, um, are uh, in, you know, are Indian. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's this kind of uh, expectation to do this. And so, um, you know, as, as I was growing up, I was able to see that side of life. And, and I knew a lot of people that were doctors and whatnot. And then I saw people that were entrepreneurs in my family. And I was like, the entrepreneur seemed to me to be a little bit more happier and a lot more successful overall. Yeah. That's, cr- um, that's so, crucial. Yeah. The happiness thing. <laughs> that's a good thing to pick up on from a young age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were, you know, they just seemed generally more happier, more fulfilled. So, you know, I kind of took that and I was like, okay, this makes more sense to me. And I kind of like the fact that they're able to really grow and expand. Yeah, you know, I made a decision at a very early age that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm. And, um, at that point, I remember 13, 14 years old. I can remember asking my dad, you know, hey, if, if, um, you know, if I find a business opportunity, would you invest with me? And um, he was like, yeah, sure, absolutely. And, you know, my dad was, my dad was, you know, moderately successful. We weren't millionaires by, by any means. And, you know, he had a very small business at the time. And I, I think it generated around, you know, 200, $250,000 in yearly annual revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I grew up in a small business environment and as I grew older and, you know, I, I tried dabbled in college for a bit for about six months and I just realized it just really wasn't for me. It's not really what I wanted. I wanted to go into the entrepreneurial world. And so I decided then at that point that that's what I was going to do. So, you know, I ventured off on my own. Um, you know, I, I had went through my own personal struggles. You know, my parents died at a young age when I was in my early 20s. Oh, um, and so, you know, thanks. And so I, you know, I found myself kind of in this uh, abyss of, okay, what, what do I do? What's my, what's my legacy going to be? What does it look like? What's my future look like? And so I decided at that point, I got introduced to healthcare and I got into the healthcare business. I started a radiology practice when I was about 24, 25 years old. When you say you got introduced to healthcare, because obviously I know it's uh, it's big big bucks over in America or over here. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because it sounds like you was obviously searching. You you obviously clear you want to be an entrepreneur. Was there kind of a moment or two when the kind of the penny starts drop? Because obviously the you know a lot of opportunity out there. What made you kind of lean towards medical services? And tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, you know, I was I was, you know, um, unfortunately introduced to healthcare from, you know, my parents being sick and going to clinics and cancer centers and stuff like that. And so I was introduced to just how um, detached healthcare was and how it had lost a level of service and intimacy. Um, And it was just more about, you know, cattle type of, you know, herding cattle type of thing, you know, where it was just like, give me your name, give me your number, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, all right, sit down and have a seat. And it just lost this human 
interaction and this human intimacy that was lost. And, you know, here were people that were sick that are going through the most, you know, um, insecure period of their life and they need to be treated with a high level of service and respect. And I just didn't see that. So that got me introduced into healthcare. And I was like, okay, this is something that I could make a difference in. So I decided to get into the imaging business. Um, It just happened to be that my ex-wife at the time was a marketing rep for an imaging company. And she told me a little bit about what she did when we first met. And then I decided that was something I could do um, that I feel I could add a level of service to, a high level of service, and really change the industry. So I did that. And I started a radiology practice. Um, I got, at that time, you know, banks were giving out loans. They don't give loans these days unless <laughs> you, you have the money. It's, it's hilarious, the banking system these days in the state. Um, but at that time, you could get a loan. So I got a loan. I bought uh, an MRI machine and an x-ray machine. And I leased an office space. And I started. Yeah. And um, I, you know, continued to work at it. was persistent. Made every entrepreneurial mistake you could possibly imagine. I mean, I made everything go everything you could possibly imagine not to do i did i gave up too much equity i took on too much debt i over leveraged this amongst all that was there was there one that really stings and like sticks out in your mind as like oh this was like you said there's lots of mistakes going on but one where you really think oh i really uh dropped the ball there or i just it just went wrong not how you expected um yeah well you know it 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 showed in the results i mean the the hardest part about it was i i remember selling the company when i was 30 29 years old for nine million dollars and i walked away with two hundred fifty thousand. whoa tell us i i definitely want to dig into the details of that (laughs) because you said nine million i was like wow that sounds legendary but then uh tell us more yeah no i mean i i literally I was, it was a very difficult time for me as not only as an individual, but also as an entrepreneur. Mm. I had, you know, my, my, my father had passed away. He had owned a small percentage of the business. He'd given that percentage to my brothers. My brothers got greedy, sued me. I mean, you name it, it happened. Um, I was over leveraged with the banks. I think I owned about, owed about six to $7 million in equipment at the time. Oh my goodness. And I got into this completely emotional roller coaster being attacked and um, people wanting so much and this and that um, and being over leveraged to where I felt at the time the best thing for me to do is just hit the reset button. Yeah. So I was like, all right, you know what? If I sell it for a profit, I sell it for a profit. At least I can say on my resume that I didn't sell it for a loss, right? Mm. Um, so out of everybody that was involved in the business that I had brought in in terms of investors, including my family, walked away with more money than me. Whoa. Now that stings. Yeah. That stings. Yeah. So here I am, sell the business. I walk away with a measly 250 grand after taxes. Not yeah. much left over. I mean, how, long did, here, how long was that from inception of that business to like, you know, obviously selling it sort of? Five to six years. Five to six years. Yeah. So imagine that. Work. Five to six years with the work hustling every single day and you 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 go to the closing table you walk around with a little check and you know here's your 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 family members are buying ferraris and aston martins on your dime and they did no work they did no effort and um you know of course everyone else got paid the bankers yeah. got paid everybody got paid but it, um yeah. 
it sounds like you could have almost, like you yeah. say, walked away with it. That could have gone even worse. Like, because obviously when you're dealing with like 9 million, selling it for 9 million and everyone's taking their cut, you could have like quite easily, it could have gone minus for yourself when it's that close. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. So, you know, I, it was a, it was a learning experience for me. It was, it's one of those things where at the time I didn't realize just how much of a blessing all of that really was because after I sold and I, I licked my wounds, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to sell to a guy that I'm still friends with today. Um, really successful uh, gentleman. Um, and after he had bought me out, him and I really hit it off. And he said, Hey, look, why don't you come work for me? I mean, obviously at this point I needed a job. I was yeah. married at the time. I have two boys. I needed an income. I wasn't financially independent by any means. So he was like, Hey, come work for me. And he hired me as his regional president to manage his West Florida portfolio of imaging centers. Okay. So I said, okay, cool. You know, I'll do that. Um, it was a good opportunity. So yeah. I took it. And one of the things I remembered was, you know, he had a private plane and um, he would pick me up and we would go for meetings and stuff throughout Florida and New Jersey and New York. And one day I remember sitting on the plane with him and this is a, a super great guy. And I was probably 31 now. And I remember looking at him and thinking, why is this not my plane? <laughs> and it, it really hit me because one of the things that I had to really understand was I said, okay, this is a smart guy, but I know that I'm, he's, he's 20 years older than me and 25 years older than me. I said, okay, I know I'm smarter than him. I know I'm more charming than him. I know <laughs> that I can sell better than him, but he knows something that I don't. Yeah. He knows something that I don't. And so the saying is, is like, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. That's the thing is you don't know what you don't know. So I was like, all right, I need to get smarter. I need to get better at what I'm doing because the only thing that's going to separate me from him and his level of success is the things that I don't know. It wasn't drive. Yeah. It wasn't persistence. It wasn't charm. It, it wasn't how tall I was or how strong I was or any of those factors. It was simply just the fact that there is something that he knows that I don't. Yeah. And if you really look at successful entrepreneurs, if you take two individuals that have the equal level of drive, the equal level of hunger, equal level of persistence, but one significantly is more successful than the other, it simply comes down to that person knows something the other person doesn't. That's oh. it. So they know something the other person doesn't. So I just, I just, I went on a quest at that point. I mean, I just consumed as much knowledge as I possibly could because I said, you know what, this is going to be my Achilles heel. Yeah. This is what's going to not get me to have the plane or to have the level of success that I know I should have. Yeah. And so that was the paradigm shift for me in my life that moment yeah i liked as well though like the reality and, and you know a lot of times you hear you know entrepreneurs or wannabe entrepreneurs kind of saying you know they will never get a job and that like they 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 keep at it in that way and, and maybe struggle but i like the, the realism you, you you knew this was a good opportunity it's not your end game in terms of working with some or for someone else at that point but you knew you could learn a lot and having that awareness that you know this is a, a really good opportunity to kind of find out what you don't know and really uh, fill in the gaps 
Exactly. So I, I took I, I took it upon myself and I said, you know, the only person that's going to prevent me from being successful to the level that I, I know I should be at um, is me. Hmm. So I spent the next few years just really learning and, 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 and consuming as much data as I possibly could and really just honing my skills and really just investing in myself. And um, it was probably the best investment I made because a few short years after that, um, I got an email from a buddy of mine about a medical device uh, or the top 10 medical devices in healthcare in the U.S. One of those devices happened to be a sleep testing device. Okay. Um, and for you guys that don't know that are listening, you know, uh, sleep apnea is, a, is a, one of the top 10 global health concerns in the world. It's when people stop breathing while they're sleeping mm. and it wakes them up and this disrupts their sleep and doesn't allow them to get the needed restful sleep that they deserve. So testing for sleep apnea is a huge thing. And traditionally, if you need to get tested for sleep apnea, you have to go sleep overnight in the hospital. Yeah. Well, this device allows you to get tested in your home, in the comfort of your own home, so we don't have to go to a hospital. So I was like, huh, this is something that I could possibly put together. And I liked, I liked a lot of things about it. I was going to help a lot of people. Um, it was going to provide better access for people, meaning they don't have to go sleep at night at a hospital. It was going to provide better quality, and it was going to be at a cheaper cost. So I felt like through these three main channels, access, quality, and cost, I was going to really be able to help a lot of people. And I think that's of an important stable datum as an entrepreneur to know is the more people you help, the more successful your company will be. Yeah. Right? If you really look at the successful companies on the planet, the ones that help the most people are the most successful, um, meaning they solve a bigger problem. Right? Yeah. So to the degree that you solve a problem is to the degree that you'll be successful in life. So I then felt, okay, you know what? Let me put two and two together. So. I, uh, I'm like, I can do this. And I had relationships in healthcare, obviously that I had built through my radiology days. Um, I called up my friend that had bought me out and I said, Hey, look, um, I need you to give me, I need you to let me go. Um, I'm, I want to quit. So that's, um, I, mean, I want you to get, that's me. obviously, again, you just find how, how long did you wrestle with that? That, you know, that commitment of, you know, like saying wanting to quit and going, jumping back into the, the full entrepreneur mode. Um, did you struggle with it or do you feel like you've just been kind of biding your time preparing for the right opportunity? I was buying, I was, I was buying time waiting for the right opportunity. I mean, I, uh, I feel more comfortable being an entrepreneur making mm. 50 grand a year than being, um, a, a corporate America guy making two fifty. Yeah. You know, so did, did so, you test the water before you jump ship or did you just have to see the opportunity and think, you know, you were that confident and you just thought I'm going, I'm going for this. I'm going all in kind of thing. Or did you test out the idea a little bit or, and then transition a little bit or was it quite instant? No, it was quite instant. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I literally called, I called, uh, I called him up and I said, Hey, look, you know, I, I'm going to quit. Um, I'd like for you to give me a six month severance, uh, which kind of gets me off first base. Yeah, because you know I, I was not financially independent, and I had a wife and two kids to support. So uh, he was like, "Okay." So literally, my I had no business, no revenue, nothing. Yeah, it was an idea, mm -hmm. and um, I quit my job. I went out. I leased a, a 450 square foot office for 500 bucks a month, and. Uh, I formed the name of the company and I found 
uh, I got an investor through um, my friend at the time that was a business partner. And um, I started. And um, I got off first base and I was the marketing rep. I was the CEO. I was the COO. <laughs> I was everything. Yeah. How, and, was, uh, how were them know, very early days in, in literally getting that, that first customer and like you say, ground zero, you've got the office space. What was some of the first things or your first priority? Was it just get that first customer by all in any means or what would come some of your, you know, your thoughts going in there and your kind of your, your strategies and taking from what you'd learned from really kind of like the apprenticeship with the, the last company? Um, you know, my strategy was really just to get it out to market. And, and literally, I was just calling on doctor's offices day in and day out, trying yeah. to get them to refer me business. And it was a long process. I mean, you know, um, it was a new technology. Um, doctors wanted to know more about it, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And so I had to raise, you know, money to offset my losses, because every month I was losing money. Yeah. And um, because I'm in a, I'm in a volume business. I mean, the revenue is only between two to $400 per test. Yeah. So I have to do a lot of tests. So, um, <clears throat> no, those days were long. I mean, I, I lost money for three years, almost went bankrupt twice. Um, was four days away from bankruptcy at one point, 2014, I had $78 left in my name. My credit cards were all maxed out. Yeah. I was losing 25,000 a month in cash. I, I posted my, uh, a screenshot of my bank balance at that time it was literally $78 and like 80 cents. Um, and it was just, it was a crazy time. I got divorced at the same year. I had no money. My mattress was on the floor. I had no nightstand. I had no furniture. I had a yeah. bunk bed for my kids and I had a TV and that was about it. So this um, isn't that long ago either. I mean like what, what happened either no, internally or externally? What do you think? I mean, was it, was it as clear cut? Obviously people always like to say, was there a moment when it all switched? But I mean, what do you think has turned it round or did you fit? Was there a time when you felt like actually, you know, you kind of cracked it and just let's keep doing more of this. And you kind of, you know, you're on the, the right path to really make this what it is today. Um, you know, there was no, there was no exact moment. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there really is for most people. I think, mm. I think it was a culmination of all of the things, all of the successful actions that I was doing every single day for three and a half years, every single day mm. that finally started to catch up. I mean, obviously I was able to raise money because it was, it was heading in the right direction. It just had to hit this tipping point. Yeah. Um, and at one point I remember when I was about six months away from breaking even my, one of my investors pulled out. And I was about four days away from bankruptcy. I had no money left. Um, so I had to raise money to get me through six months. If I had not raised the money to give me six months, I wouldn't be on the phone talking right now. Mm. Um, and so there were a lot of moments like that where I had to make things go right. Yeah. Um, I know you and, said like, I was going to say before the interview, you said, you know, I can dig in and ask anything. But, and that's what jumps to mind when you said that, that four days to go bankrupt the reality of calling up and where did you start? Cause I had you kind of used up all your kind of your contacts at that point, or how did you approach in that four day, that reality of four days, I need to get, you know, X amount of money or I am bankrupt. What was that like? And how did you approach that? Um, I mean, basically, so I, I remember I got a phone call from a buddy of mine. Oh, not buddy of mine. He was my, he was my partner at the time. Yeah. Um, it was a Tuesday afternoon. I remember I was going to, I was, I was actually going to pick up my two kids from school and he called me 
um, as I was outside waiting for my two boys. And he says, hey, you know, I just got a call from the investor and the investor says that he's out. He can't fund anymore. Mm. And I was like, okay. And, and my, my business partner knew at the time that I had no money left, you know, and because um, everything I had had went into the business that was left. Um, and, I, you know, obviously I, I just got divorced. So I had even less. So, um, you know, I said, well, look, you have, I'm sure you've got some money that we can use. And he says, well, I've been meaning to tell you, I want out too. Ooh. So I was like, <laughs> all right. So he was, he was basically like, look, it looks like we're going to have to close and shut it down. Yeah. It looks like people are jumping. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm not going to do that. Like, you know, I, I put everything into this. And I busted my ass for the last three years. I'm not just going to now fold up. Yeah. And I remember that week I had payroll, and I think payroll at the time was like 20 grand. And I had, and I asked him, I said, "Well, how much money do we have in the bank account?" Because he handled the finances, and he says 2,500 bucks. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be fun. But you know, I, I I remember making a decision at that time, saying, "Okay, this this right here is that point." Mm. in in my in my time track in my in this lifetime this is that point where it's gonna this is what's gonna separate me from being successful and not this decision am i gonna fold up or am i gonna fight and continue to fight and persist and i literally just decided at that moment in time i know exactly where i was exactly the time of day everything it was so vivid to me and i was just like you know what i'm gonna fucking make this work yeah. So I said to him, I said, all right, do me a favor. If you're out, it's fine, but I want the stock back so I can go raise more money. And yeah. he was like, okay, fine. And I, he says, well, just pay me what I put in. I'm like, I'll pay you. I have no money. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'll give you money in a year. And he's like, okay, fine. So I literally hung up the phone with him and called two people that I had just, one, one I knew for a while, one I just met that I knew had some money. And I just told him, I was honest with him. I said, look, dude, here's the deal. You know about this business I started. My investor just pulled out. I need money to make payroll this week. Can you loan me the money? Mm. So they were like, okay. I said, look, dude, I'll pay you back. Even if it's $20 a month for the rest of my life, I got to go cut grass and clean pools, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> they were like, okay, fine. So one gave me 10, another one gave me 17. And I was able to make payroll. But then I had to raise another $250,000 to get me through the next six months. Yeah. And I had to do that in the next 30 days. So I did it. I, I was literally on the phone. I mean, I called everybody that I knew that I knew had the resources to invest in me and in this business. Yeah. And I was able to do it. And I got four to five individuals to invest. They're still with me today. They're now very, very, very happy. Obviously today, the company we're talking about here, over 30 employees, multi-million dollar revenue company, um, business in 38 states, you know, huge company. I mean, once you started to obviously well, we've grown past that oh you have I mean, this is that almost a yeah i mean we're close to 100 employees uh we're now in 50 states Whoa. um and we're now the, the third largest in the country blimey oh this is good to catch i mean this is yeah this is what's on the on the uh website as well so that's yeah the, the, continued, updated, but the continued growth that's wow when it's you're not like worried about bankruptcy or you you've you, you could see that it's obviously it sounds like you the whole time you had faith in it, obviously, but started to get into that, into the, you know, into the profit for everyone involved. And then you can really, you know, leverage it and scale it and get it to what it is today. 
I, I always had faith in the model and I knew the model would work. I just had to, I had to get to a certain level of, uh, of volume for it to really yeah. make sense. And that all happened in 2014. Um, and we just, we just took off. Um, we've grown 345% in the last three years. Uh, I just actually got an email yesterday. We made the Inc. 5000 again this year. Nice. Um, with Inc. Magazine. So we're listed, I think we're going to be probably ranked in around 12 or 1300 of the fastest growing companies in the country out of 5,000 in terms of percentage growth. My message to entrepreneurs in general is just, you got to believe in the model when everybody doesn't and you got to persist. I mean, if I had, if I had just given up and I had many, many opportunities to give up many opportunities to say, let me just throw my hands up and quit. Yeah or just give in to the pressure and just to come. And I, I, you know, I didn't. We're going to start bringing this all together with the alpha round. What would you do, if anything, different based on what you know now? If you used to go back to obviously some of these struggling times, it sounds like obviously you were, were relentless, but with some of the, you know, when you said you had missing gaps in your knowledge and what would you do different? And I suppose what is working really well for you that maybe you would bring in earlier, or I don't know, maybe you would do things as they were, but. Is there anything that springs to mind? Um, you know, no, I, I would, I would just do everything as I had done because mm. I think that there were a lot of gems that I learned from having gone through the bumps and bruises that I had gone through, which I think allows for me to be able to give, you know, really good constructive advice now. You know, I, I was watching an interview with Sylvester Stallone the other day on Instagram and he says, you know, I, I don't, I don't believe people that say that they're a winner when they've never gone through battles. Mm. Like if you walk through the back door to success, you're not necessarily a winner. And what he went on to say was, he says, you know, winners to me are people that go through the battles. They, yeah. they have scars on their face because of the battles. You can't just say you're a winner because you're successful yeah. because there's a lot of people that just inherited shit. Mm. You know, how is that, how is that, how is that success? You know, like what battles have you gone through? There's, there's a difference between going through the jungle and getting scars. And there's a difference between walking through the back door. Yeah. You know, and I think that entrepreneurs, in my opinion, you're going to go through the battles. You're going to get scars. If you don't get scars, it's a bit of a red flag. It's like, <laughs> what are you yeah. doing? Cause <laughs> you don't know it. You don't know everything. You're not going to know everything but you have to, you have to persist. And I think that's what the universe tells you is if you don't persist, the universe is like, all right, you don't deserve it. I completely agree. If someone was, you know, even it could be as specific as going into sort of a similar field to you, what, what has worked or is working really well for you at the moment in an entre in this entrepreneurial space? Cause I know we haven't touched on you just talked before the interview. You're, you know, you're, you've opened up other companies since, you know, you really are as an entrepreneur, not just kind of the CEO of Blackstone. So can you tell us about some of the, things that are working really well for you in the entrepreneurial space at the moment? I think, I think one of the things that's really working for me is I really identified what are my successful actions that have, that have helped make me successful. Mm -hmm. And I just continue to do those things. I think one of the things that entrepreneurs may not do at times is really, really sit down and write down what are the successful actions that have helped them to become successful. You know, and that's mm -hmm. different for every entrepreneur based on your industry. Yeah. You know, so the companies that I've started, um, one is called Healthcare U, which is the first 
um, online healthcare sales training platform. It's the first in the world. There's nothing out there like it. It doesn't exist. It's an online training platform to help train salespeople in healthcare. The other company is called Biosense, where we manufacture sleep testing devices and other um, disposables related to healthcare okay. um, that provide so exceptional level. Yeah, they're all linked to your core expertise in your industry and where you've obviously identified a need that you can fill or demand. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm not jumping into, uh, you know, I'm not opening up a Dunkin' Donuts. You know, <laughs> I, I stay in the area that, that I know, yeah. you know, that I know really well and I leverage that. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's wise to jump industries completely. Mm. I think you need to stay in the industry that you know so you're not having to try to relearn another industry again yeah you know because that could take several years to do no i, I think that's a, a crucial thing because a lot of people do and probably all of us at some time have that that shiny object syndrome you know someone could listen to this interview and think oh i love what vic's all about i'm gonna get into the you know medical sales and all of that when it might not be anything they might they might have such a sort of or they might have a lot of expertise in other areas kind of the gold is sitting right in front of them right Touching on, obviously, we talked about it's very specific to um, the industry and entrepreneurs in. For you, what would you say is one of your kind of core alpha habits? If you don't do it every day or at least every couple of days, you're not, you're not um, operating or firing on all cylinders. That's an interesting question. Working out for me is an important component. If I don't work out every, at least every two days or whatever, I, 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 feel, like, I feel like a noodle. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I think that's really important for me. Um, but I think like it's in general, I think the habit that I really try to instill in myself is just listening to my gut. If, if my gut's telling me to not do something or to really stick to my guns on a certain thing, I just do it. Yeah. And I think that is an alpha quality to, to, to really trust your own instincts. Because I think if you don't, you get really lost in everyone else's opinions about things and you're not now really leading the ship the way you should. Definitely. I want to ask as well about, you know, at times when you maybe you did doubt yourself, even if it was only a little bit, or you might have a period when you really did ultimately the, the fear that we all have to different you know, levels at some stage, how do you approach fear and dealing with that, you know, starting new ventures and, and, you know, when it is all, uh, you know, when your back is against the wall. Fear is, uh, is something you just have to embrace. I don't really try to fight the fear. Mm. I just recognize it. It is fear. It's there. It's natural. It's a part of life. Um, but you have to confront it. And I'm just not afraid to confront it. Like, I, I'm not afraid to lose. Yeah. I think, that, you know, I was on the phone the other day and I was, I'm mentoring this entrepreneur. And he said, well, I'm just, what, what if this doesn't work? What if this doesn't work? What? And I'm just like, well, but what if it does? Mm. What if it does work? And I, I think you can get extremely engrossed with the what ifs in terms of the fear side of things. Extremely engrossed to where it can, can consume you. But it's not real. Fear is not real. It's an idea. Right? It's an idea yeah. that you have that something could be bad. Well, guess what? You could fail. It could happen. Who cares? <laughs> you know, we live in a society, unfortunately, where it's like, if you fail, it's a bad thing and somebody's going to ridicule you. Yeah. You know what? My attitude is fuck them. Look, if you're going to ridicule me because I tried something and failed because you didn't have the balls to try it in the first place, why would I even really care about your opinion anyway? <laughs> I love it. Love it. Right. Awesome. Why would I care? Completely. I, I give two shits about somebody's opinion 
look, if you're not, if you're not more successful than me, you're going to ridicule me about what I'm doing. How does that work? Because you know, most successful people don't ridicule other people that are trying to be successful. They don't. Yeah. Because they know what it takes to be successful. They know the struggles you have to go through. They know the level of persistence you have to have. Awesome. Right. Yeah. So why fear anything? Exactly. It sounds like, I mean, what you're saying here, I think all of these, so much there is potentially quotable, but is there a, a favorite quote, one that really resonates with how you like to approach your life or live your life? Yeah, my approach to life really is, look, I, I think you should never shortchange yourself. If you have an idea and you have an ideal scene about how you would want your life to be and how you'd want to conduct yourself, you have to act like that now. You have to be mm. that way now. You can't, you don't, you don't become it later. You have to assume that level of beingness now. Like I remember when I was 18, 19 years old, dude, I had, I didn't have two nickels rubbed together, but I walked around with a fucking briefcase. Like I was some really important businessman <laughs> and I had no business. I had no company. I had less than two nickels rubbed together, but I walked around like I was some successful businessman because that's just who I wanted to be. And I think that if you look at successful people, they never all of a sudden woke up one day and like, okay, now I'm successful. Now I'm going to act that way. Yeah. No, they acted that way before they became successful. If you really look at it, that's what they're doing. You know, Elon Musk or, or Steve yeah. Jobs or Bill Gates. These people had an attitude that they were someone successful hmm. from the very beginning. They didn't walk around like, okay, well, I'm just kind of a nobody. But then when I make some money, I'll be, I'll act like I'm successful. Yeah. No. Uh, you have to act like you're successful. Yeah, it's now. a huge, huge mindset shift. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, when I didn't have two nickels rubbed together, I, I felt like I was rich. I mean, I met, I met people that, you know, five years ago when I was completely broke and I was like weeks away from bankruptcy or days away from bankruptcy and they, they would meet me and they thought I was a millionaire. Mm. I'm like, dude, I didn't know you only had $78 your name. I thought you were a millionaire. I'm like, why? Because <laughs> this is the way you carried yourself. Love it. I'm I like, think oh, this okay. is a huge, a huge insight, you know, and, and where I think potentially a lot of people, like you say, shortchange themselves and uh, make it harder than it needs to be. Is there a particular book that's been impactful for you or just one you like to recommend or gift to people? Um, you know, I think one of the classics for me has always been Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. I think that Napoleon Hill book is a classic for me. Um, uh, another good book is Problems of Work um, okay. by LRH. It's a great business book. Okay, I haven't heard um, that one. Good. The other book that I read that was really good was Elon Musk's book, the biography about, it's, it's, I think it's called SpaceX, PayPal, and Tesla. Okay. Um, those, were, those were all great. Brilliant. Is there any particular resources that you think are maybe not run-of-the-mill or not widely used or you know, sometimes people miss them that you think are, are really instrumental or helpful? And uh, it might be technical, it might be you know, quite basic, but it's something that you use in your, your daily life as an entrepreneur that if, if it was taken away, it would uh, it would have a little impact in you before you adapted and dealt with it. I mean, this may not be the exact answer to your question, mm -hmm. but I think for me, I think you got to surround yourself with the right people. Yeah, and I think that's crucially important. Like, in, if I were to look at some of the main things that I think really helped me um, in in my life in terms of an entrepreneur, um, it would be that it, it yeah. was making sure that I hung around people that were positive that were successful that challenged me as a person as a businessman those things were were, were crucial yeah. and i think if you don't have that 
um, and you hang around the wrong people, people that aren't successful. And, you know, success is, isn't just money. I mean, I know people that are, they have money, but they're losers. You know? <laughs> I, know, I know what you mean. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I'm yeah. That, yeah, they might be very unhappy as well. Yeah, I mean, they're either unhappy, they're unethical, they're, you know, they're, they just don't really have the things that they know they, 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 they're not doing the successful things that they should be doing, or they're very one-sided and all they, all they know about is money. I think you have to make sure that you really surround yourself with the right individuals that have a similar mindset. From your network, when I say sort of awaken your alpha and uh, obviously having gone through the interview yourself... Who do you think would be a, a great interview for the show and uh, really be able to give some value? You know, mate, I have to think about that. You know, okay. what's funny is like, yeah, I have to think about that. I'll give you some more thinking. I, 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 who, would, who would be, in terms of an interview, you would want to tune in and listen to that person interviewed. Who would be kind of like the dream guest? If you say, oh, Adam's got him on, you're going you're gonna to actually tune in and listen to the podcast for that one. Um, I mean, of course, Elon Musk, I think he's, uh, <laughs> the ultimate entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really interested in, uh, you know, I think Patrick, Bet David is a great entrepreneur. Um, and, uh, I like Gary Vee. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I would say those guys. Cool. And if people want to connect with you, find out more about all and anything you do and follow what you're up to. What's the best way they can connect? My, my handle is my name, at Vic Tipnes, V-I-C-K-T-I-P-N-E-S, uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, et cetera. Just uh, type in my name and I'll pull up. Awesome. And finally, what's, what's the future hold for you? What's the next? I know you've started a new couple of businesses, but what's, what is uh, really the, the long-term vision? Or is there anything big on the horizon for you? Yeah, there's a lot happening. Um, you know, my, my goal is to be a billionaire by the time I'm 50. So I've got eight years to, to get there. Um, <laughs> and um, I've got a lot of work ahead of me. And I've got, um, I'm really aligning the right people and the right team to make sure that that, that occurs. Um, so I'm, I'm really just kind of getting started, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I spent the last 20 years trying to figure it all out. And I finally feel like I'm in a place now uh, in my career where I can really press the gas. Awesome. Um, so there's going to be some exciting things for you to, to see in the next uh, very few short years for me. Brilliant. Well, Vic, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time out from that mission to speak to us today and share what you're up to. Thank you, man. I really appreciate you having me on the show. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to this episode i really do appreciate it and i know time is the most important asset we have head over to awaken your alpha with alw the facebook group and get on the inside join the conversation and please do support the show so i can continue to bring you the best in the world and share with you the struggles as well as the highs head over to ayalpha.com to get any goodies that are going on the website at the time and join the conversation can share this on and recommend it to your friends this is the number one men's development podcast for inspirational stories and strategies for us all to thrive as men i'll see you next time do the little guy a favor subscribe and review it'll help get him off my back this show was sponsored by assistagram.us personal instagram management growth and branding please do go and check that out i'll be updating you with how the collaboration how the partnership goes over the coming weeks and months if you've got any questions please do ask me or go direct to Zach and the team.